to free beers and a movie. Nice. Hello, welcome to episode 135 of Free Beers and a Movie. I am Richard Laird and I'm with... Barry Neal. Barry, where are we tonight? We are currently sitting in uh, our own houses. Yes. Um, January's a bit of a bastard. I feel like January we don't actually get out and see people enough in January. Um, yep. It feels like a lot of a lot of these podcasts are done over the phone, which is fun and it's nice and it's nice to chat to you about movies, but it's nice to do it face to face. Absolutely. I think in, in February we shall endeavour to do more face to face rather than over the over the air. I think. I think that'll be yes, that that'll be the exactly. February February plan. I've uh, I've heard that the the shares and uh, the Raven have been going down because oh, of their lack of attending. Plummeting, plummeting. They they are making absolutely no money because we are not attending on a weekly <laughs> basis. Uh, so yeah, so we have to for the benefit of our local bar in Glasgow, we have to start getting back out again and making sure we 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 we, we buy some booze from them because equally I've absolutely. not a, I've not had a drink since about the beginning of December, so maybe I have to get another wee drink as well. Nice. Yeah. Well, I'm getting drunk this weekend, That's so good. I'm at a, a 30 year anniversary of someone being in the same workplace for 30 years and a constantly reminder that she's been working in the same job <laughs> almost as long as I've been alive. Yeah, that's a terrifying thought. But anyway, I've, I've got people who work with that who are like in my work who've been there doing the job for about the length of time I've been alive as well. It's like, oh, that's a scary ass thought. And I imagine there'll be yeah, kids yeah. coming in my work now who'll be like sort of eighteen, and I'll be close to like working in a place for as long as they've been alive as well. I'm like, oh, that's also oh. terrifying. Yeah, best not to think about that. Um, are you drinking? Are you drinking anything tonight? No, no, just just tonight. It's a school night after all, so you know, just and it's getting a wee bit late as well, so just playing it safe and due to a big day tomorrow. So agreed, agreed. It's, it's midweek as well. I'm I'm, I'm on the Ibiza tonight, so it's a um, very quiet night. Um, nice. Well, we start as we always do. Um, well, how we have done for the past like couple of months with the Mike on Mike segment, our discussion on the Camel Lairds, who are obviously the ongoing season um, down in Birkenhead. Um, now, if you've probably, I don't know if you've listened to some of the podcasts in the last couple of weeks, but we've not been playing well, Barry. We have been playing very, some some big defeats, some some heavy, heavy, heavy defeats. Um, but this week, there was a defeat again, but we lost 5-4. So clearly a very entertaining game, um, but just not enough to get us over the line. Our man Furlong, Mike Furlong, who we sponsored, did score a goal. Nice. So very excited about that. Um, but yeah, just didn't have enough to go over the line. But still, it, a five-four loss is better than what was it seven-nil loss we had a couple of weeks ago. So yeah, we're, 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 oh. we're happy, happy with a five-four loss. Yeah, you can take that kind of loss. That's it, not too bad. By all accounts, it sounded like a great game, and we're unlucky not to get something from it. So I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. Um, hopefully we will be going down to see the Camel Layers in the next couple of months. Um, we were going to get down in February, that looks to have been kiboshed, but I think March we will be paying the Camel Layers a, a visit at their home ground. So very much looking that, forward to that. That's absolutely fantastic. Yes, we may even pop along at the beginning of February depending on how things pan out when we're, when we're down south. But yeah, we're definitely going to go and see a game at some point before the end of the season. And we'll hopefully, nice. hopefully bump into Mr Furlong. Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but then we want to our, our usual non-cinema viewings. Have you watched anything at home of interest? It's just simply been one TV show because that's all I've really had time for that I've been binge watching, and it's called Cuckoo, which what? I've found on Netflix. What's it about? It is a British sitcom, and it's uh, it's all set around a family, and um, what ends up happening is. 
their daughter comes back from like Thailand or Bangkok or something like that with this kind of more kind of seasoned traveller type person. Right. Um, and then she tells them that she's married to this person. Right. And all that kind of like shenanigans they get up to through the first season. And then in the interim between the series, well, when the second series starts, you actually discover that uh, Cuckoo actually died in a climbing accident, which when you watch the first season, you can, you can completely understand how he got himself into that predicament. Right. Um, and then eventually it ends up um, it's Cuckoo's uh, long-lost son that he didn't know he had ends up turning up in, this, in the village to try and find um, his, like, uh, adopted mother kind of thing. Okay. Because um, Cuckoo and the daughter end up getting married and threatened to make it official. And then so he keeps on calling her mum that she fancies him and it's it gets a bit weird. But then it, it's also really funny as well. Just yeah. like a classic British humour, you know. But all these gets... I'm looking at the, the cast list just now. Andy Samberg plays Cuckoo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He plays Cuckoo, which is phenomenal. Yeah, um, and also Greg Davies, who's like a, a sort of comedy staple in the. He plays the dad, yes. I think. He's sort of been in a lot of stuff. Helen Baxendale as well. So yeah, it seems like yes. it's quite a, quite a solid casting um, behind it. Um, I think it's like the usual half hour, twenty five minute episodes. Yeah, it's absolutely perfect for binge watching, especially when you don't have a lot of time. You can just rattle through a couple of episodes and then. You've had your fill, you know. Uh, it sounds a bit like, you remember that show that was on Wilfred? Remember that one? Yes. It sounds like a wee bit of a sort of DNA shared with that a little bit, this sort of yeah, almost, yeah, almost yeah. imaginary yeah, friend aye. type idea. Aye, I'll go with that. Go with that, yeah. That sounds actually quite interesting. I quite fancy that. I will, I will add that to my ever-growing Netflix list. <laughs> this is definitely like a... Like, I'd maybe say you could eat for yourself. I think you could easily jump in and out of this. Like you don't have to sit there and like religiously watch it every night, like the way we've been doing for the last few while. Aye. Um, you could certainly like watch a couple of episodes, go and watch something else, and then definitely come back and pick it right back up. And it's it's very easy to watch. It's not hard like storyline wise, you know. Bedtime viewing basically. Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much. No, I'll, I'll definitely, I'll swing for that. That sounds like a decent show. Yeah. Jill is nodding her head in appreciation. We're always, yeah. we're always on the lookout for that sort of 25 minute, half hour show. Mm. You know, because sometimes yeah. you don't want to commit to like something that's an hour long where you'll go to your bed. You, know, maybe you just want to lie in bed and watch something that's, that's short and sweet. And that sounds pretty much right up our alley. You know, that sounds very ideal. So I will add it to my list today. Um, what about I, yourself? Have you been watching anything at home? At home, interesting, I have been. There was one thing you you actually watched a while ago that I've just finished recently. It's um, the season three of Big Mouth. Oh. <laughs> um, oh, okay. Which is a Netflix show. It's all about sort of these, like, I'm, I'm not going to say teenagers, like pre-teen, aren't they? They're sort of just that blossoming age between, like, sort of child yeah, and teenager. Yeah, they're, they're just, like, hitting, just hitting puberty. Puberty. Uh, and it's, that's it. It's a cartoon, and essentially they've all got these sort of like hormone monsters who form around and sort of lead them astray or give them guidance depending on what they need. And it's them trying to navigate the perils and horrors that puberty um, throws at you. There's also obviously and also the life as well and the life, know? just general life as well. I try to um, get through as well. Now I really enjoyed season one. I thought season one was really funny. Mm-hmm. I didn't like season two that much. Okay. I thought season two went 
too much for shock value, like mm-hmm. to try and be sort of as almost offensive as possible in order to try and be funny. And yeah. I didn't think that was what was funny. I think that's not what I enjoyed with season one. I thought season one actually had a lot of heart to it as well. And I think mm-hmm. they missed out on the heart in season two. Season three, I'm going to say that I thought was a real return to form. Uh-huh. I thought season three was very funny, had some outrageously crude moments as well, but not quite as many that made me really be quite offended by them. Um, and also had a real bit of heart to it as well. And it's sort of, you have a, a real kind of sense of growing up in it as well. Um, and the kids, like sort of, that the sort of changing aspects of the relationships that the kids all have, and I generally think it was a, a much much better season than season two. Yeah, I found that a lot stronger. I felt like it was season three. I found was just overall much more enjoyable. Yeah. Um. Let, just looking at the list, I can already remember a few standout episodes in it just alone. Yeah. And it's only a ten season, uh, ten episode season, so it's still a pretty short season. Yeah. All things going. Yeah. But it's how good is that last episode? With, with uh, the, the superpowers, reminiscent of uh, the like the X Men and all that. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was excellent. I liked, I loved the episode as well, where they're telling the story of the jazz singer who lives in the the the, the attic, <laughs> which I actually looked up on Google and and Wikipedia and all such just to see how much they got right. And amazingly, pretty much everything they say in the episode is almost <laughs> bang on accurate. So like, like so that guy actually needs a dollop made about that. He is he is rife for a dollop episode. Um, that I, guy's singer. I think you should reach out and let the guys know. Yeah, um, an amazing life he had, and um, they actually do nail it pretty much bang on. They do obviously make things a bit, you know, they shockify it a little bit to the extent, but the major beats are all there of, of who this guy was. Which I thought was really 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 impressive, um, and just generally I thought when it did go for the shock value of it, you know, the kind of crudity of it. Because it hadn't been so crude throughout it, when it does do it, it has a much more, it's much more effective. Yes. Whereas in season um, two, I felt it was just it was just continuous to the point where you're going, I'm not even finding this that offensive because it's just been fired at me constantly that it, it, it's it's lost its shock value a little bit. I, I find it quite like a quite like a funny insight into like almost like how modern kids are dealing with like puberty with like you know like being online and all yeah. that and the fact that if you are online literally everything lives forever yeah you know yeah. and how quickly how quickly your life can take a drastic turn yeah. for the worse. I oh totally um but yeah so i was really impressed by how well season three um sort of executed itself after what was i thought quite a disappointing season two um, so like I said, I was very much into season one. I think we both found it really funny. Um, but then I, I thought, I thought that, but it definitely brought itself back to form. And I've definitely, if you're a fan of season one, you really like season three. And if you did drop out after season two, which I think some people did do, then I would definitely recommend trying to get back into it for season three because it's definitely uh, worth the the effort. I think this time around. They know it's getting renewed for us. I believe it has got season four. Yeah, I believe we've got another season. There you go, late September, stroke, early October 2020. Yeah. So this year we'll get a season four, so yeah. take the jump back nice. into it. Definitely worth a watch. Um, the other thing I watched that was also on Netflix, it's a movie called Black 47. Okay. Which is a film about um, an Irishman during the um, sort of famine era, 1840s, who's in the British Army. Um, basically, he's been fighting for Britain in Afghanistan, because at this point in the time, the whole of Ireland is part of the British Empire. Uh-huh. Um, he comes back from... from the war and he basically sees how his country is now you know with the famine gripping it and all the landlords kicking people off the land and you know demanding 
money and how the British army and how the British like sort of gentry are treating the local people, um, and essentially goes in sort of a John Wick style rampage of revenge through <laughs> through the gentry and and British establishment who are an island trying to hold the people down. It's it's very good. I really enjoyed it. It's a really well done movie. It's got a really good cast. It's got um, Hugo Weaving. He plays sort of, sort of the army general. Um, it's also got Stephen Ray in it as well. Just a, a really good cast and a really good film. Didn't get much headline unfortunately because maybe not the kind of film that's going to get massive crowds. But a really well done sort of historical piece. I don't know how accurate it is in terms of this actual story itself. I know obviously the Irish famine did happen and there was rebellion in some respects against the, the British. Um, Sort of military presence there, but I don't know if this actual event, the way they portray it, actually did happen. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a really good, it's really well done film. It's only like an hour and a half long, but it's it's a really really good sort of um, I'm gonna say thriller, but sort of historical thriller. I would maybe put it as you know. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, no, it's, it's it's really well done. It's really good. It's really good actors doing some really good acting. Um, but yeah, no, definitely recommend it if you get a chance to sit down. If you have an hour and a half to kill, then Black Forty Seven um, yeah. on Netflix is, is worth a watch. All right, nice one. I'll yeah. add it to my list as always. Yes, Black Forty Seven. Um, on from that, we'll get to the cinema viewing. So there has been some cinema viewing this week. Um, first one up is Bad Boys for Life. <laughs> the 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 third part in a trilogy that no one ever asked for. Uh, <laughs> Which, to be honest, I've been hearing good things, and that's concerning. Yeah, because um, it means they're going to bring out a fourth one. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. Oh, they're definitely bringing out a fourth one. They are, they are, hundred percent doing that. Um, so directed by Adil El Arabi and Bilal Falah, who have not really done much other than this. They've done a film called Gangster and a film called Black, um, uh-huh. but that, they were obviously quite minor, minor efforts compared to this. It's just a massive, huge budget movie. Um, uh-huh. The plot of this film is that there is an assassin going after people who are tangentially attached to Mike Lowry, the Will Smith character, um, and they're trying to track down who this is, why he's doing it, and to try and put a stop to it. At the same time, the Martin Lawrence character, the partner, is wanting to retire and move away from the, the cop business. He wants to just sit in his lazy chair and relax. Um and also at the same time, these two guys are trying to like sort of be relevant in, in a new world where they've, where they've been caught for thirty years, and now there's a whole new generation coming through who are all young and hip and doing shit they've never even heard of, and it's them trying yes. to negotiate that world. So, like I said, in the film you got Will Smith, Martin Lawrence, um, happily Joe Pantalano turns back up in it. Um, Katie Del Castillo plays the main baddie. Jacob Skipple plays the henchman man of the baddie. Uh, you've also got Vanessa Hudgens is in it as well. She plays like sort of a, a badass tech girl. Um, now, I'll be honest, I went into this film with exceptionally low expectations. Yeah. You know, because, I mean, I enjoy Bad Boys too. It's ridiculously stupid, but it is a, I know it's a shit film. You know, it's, it's not a great movie, but it is, I enjoy it for what it is. This was genuinely not too bad. Like, this is, see, this is what I'm surprised at is just how much folk are actually genuinely liking it. Yeah, I, I mean, it's been 17 years since the Bad Boys films were out. I've, I had no interest in seeing another Bad Boys film. Um, but it genuinely is a lot better than I expected it to be. Um, it, As we discussed, not that recently, no, actually quite recently, we discussed with Michael Bay and we discussed that film Six Underground. 
Um, and we talked about how Michael Bay's direction is pretty much, you cannot understand what the fuck is going on. This film takes a Michael Bay concept, but right. applies logic to it. So you can you can un, you can understand what's happening when it's happening, which is which is which makes a Michael Bay film enjoyable. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. if you if you know what the fuck's going on in a film, you can enjoy it a lot more rather than watching it going, "I have no idea who is anywhere and what the hell is happening." So that's that was surprising to me. The guys they take the Michael Bay concept and just sort of just refine it to the point where it is manageable as a on screen as an on screen entity. It's got the big moments, like the big explosions and the and the, the low angle shots and stuff like that, but not done to the point where you're you're just like oh you're, you're eye rolling at them. You know it 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 holds itself on the road pretty well. Um, the body in it is actually a decent body. Like there is a menace there, which again I think for a lot you probably yourself yourself. A lot of action films right now are so concerned with the heroes and so concerned with the the action that they forget that you need to have a villain that works. This. Absolutely, because then who are the good guys bouncing off of? Ah, you know? exactly. And what's what's the threat? This film's got a threat level. You go, yeah, I, I believe that they're they're in danger right now, so that totally works. And what it does brilliantly well, it, well I'm saying brilliantly in air quotes, what it does really well is it makes the Will Smith character the sort of ultimate male fantasy figure of like you know he's got all the girls, all the clothes, all the guns, everything about his life looks amazing. They make him at he's like fifty years old in this film. They make him the object of of the joke. He's the one you laugh at because the people are going, dude, you're like fifty years old. You can't behave like this. You know, it, this sort of like complete laddish culture is not okay. Yes, it's kind of you've passed your moment to enjoy that kind of life. You uh-huh. know, you should be enjoying the like the easier life, shall uh-huh. we say, not the quieter life, but the easier life. And even if you're only twenty years old, you might behave like this guy. You still go. They still make it out to be like, no, even when you were twenty, what you were doing was still not particularly appropriate. <laughs> you know, so I like the fact that they actually play on that because normally in every other one of these films, the male character is sort of a superhero character who everyone ad- ad- admires and adheres to and wants to like sort of just live their life as him, and. You have to go. No, he's a bit. He's an asshole. In in this film, they they, they call him out on that, which nice. I which good. I liked. Um, the, f- the the focus on that was really good. Smith and Lawrence work really well together. They they still have quite a good dynamic back and forward. Um, so I really enjoyed that. Joey Pantolano always fun in it. Um, and yeah, I just I mean it's by no means a great movie. It's by no means a perfect movie, but for what I expect it to be, to what it actually is. Mm-hmm. It's infinitely better than what I thought it was going to be. Good, good. And I love the fact that you've came out from a movie that you were expecting it to be a bit gash, and you've came out and it's actually been alright. Yeah, you know. Like you said, there are there, there's better action films out there. There's better movies out. I saw this week than this, but for, <laughs> for but for what it was and for what it was trying to be, I thought it done itself a good. It done itself a justice. It, it made itself out to be what it was, and it done it well. And I've got to give it credit for that. Yeah, good, yeah, good. Yeah, so out of ten, six and a half out of ten. Oh, nice. Which, nice. compared to what I thought it was going to be, that is a marked improvement. What I thought it was going to be. Um, second film is one that's not out in the cinema, but it was out in the cinema a year ago, almost a year ago. Not quite to the day, but it was like a year ago, right about, not quite right about this time, but a few months from now. It came out at the same time as Avengers Endgame, which was a real disservice to put any film up against Avengers Endgame because like. Mm. 
no one's going to go and see an R film. That that end game, as we know, is pretty much ate up every single screen. You know, going. Um, the film is a film called Eighth Grade. Mm-hmm. Um, it's directed by Bo Burnham. You know, Bo, uh, the mm-hmm. comedian. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's his feature debut movie. Yeah, it's him writing and directing. Um, the plot is essentially it's, a, it's following a young girl who's going from eighth grade into ninth grade, which in America is going from middle school to high school. And it's her final week in school. As she's quite introverted, but she has like an, an extrovert personality. But it's it's stuck in this introvert body, um, and it's her trying to negotiate the final week of high school as she's trying to sort of branch out and sort of maybe make new friends and sort of in in a way follow the advice she's given us. She's given herself, but she can't really pull off. Ah, uh, right, okay. Because she does these like internet videos throughout the show when she's like talking about how to be more friendly. And how, to put your, and how to put yourself out there, but then she doesn't do it herself because she's too scared to do it. So it's like yeah. her trying to follow her own advice of what to do. Um, so in the film, you get Elsie Fisher, who plays a young girl. Um, Josh Hamilton plays her dad. Emily Robinson is a, a friend in it, and Jake Ryan plays sort of a, a geeky, possible love interest in it. Um, it's a really, really lovely portrait of growing up. Um, you know, cause it's an age when you're sort of not quite a child, but you're not really an adult yet. Yes, yes. Everyone still sees you as a child, uh-huh. but you know yourself you're not a child, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. So you're starting to, to get interested in things, you know, as, as we all get interested in at that age, you know, mm-hmm. boys, girls, whatever, you know, you're, 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 you're noticing things you didn't notice before, just about sound like a, a, a bad, you know, public access movie. Um, yes. And... and but what it does tackle really well, I thought, is it's not just grown up, it's grown up in the digital age when, like you talked about in the Big Mouth show, how everything mm-hmm. is online, everything is, like, you know, like recorded and categorised, and once you do it once, and you put it online, then that's it. Yep. You know, it's there. It's, it's always there. And also, this feeling that the generation, like, of her age, which obviously means you're not a part of, but they have this need to be seen, you know. Like, yes. Be it through like a podcast, some of them do, or be it through like Snapchat and these like Snapchat sort of stories, or through Instagram and Instagram stories, or making these like YouTube influencer videos. Oh. You know, it's, it's that desire to be seen, you know, and to some way make a to be make a difference or make or be admired by other people. I and, think it's like. It's like the, it's like the whole like everybody wants, like, at least like the UK younger people that are coming up with it all, and like they see all these people who have like successful careers, sort of speak, from like these kind of platforms, and everybody seems to, at least the younger generation, maybe even the older generation as well, they all want the little five minutes of fame. No yeah. matter what it takes to get it, they all want that little nugget. Yeah. And even though it's like the internet moves that fast, it's yeah. like what's hot one day can be absolutely in a bin the next day. Aye, no, you're 100% right. And I say this as a guy, who, well, me and you both are doing a podcast, so we're probably looking for the same thing ourselves. So we are, you know, part of that machine in some way. You know, we're, we're yeah, yeah. putting out, but yeah, so it was an interesting way of looking at the world, you know, and, and looking at that generation. Generation I, I'm tangentially attached to because I've got nieces who are that age, but I don't know much about what it feels like to be them now growing up because the way the world we grew up in when we were twelve and thirteen, 
is markedly different from what the world now is when we're 12 and 13. You know, the... do, you, do you find your nieces are like, kind of like this? I haven't watched the film yet, but do you see kind of some sort of like resemblances because you have like nieces at that kind of age bracket? When we were watching me and Joe talk about it, the young girl and it behaves a little... There's elements of the way the young girl behaves that is a bit like one of my nieces. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all elements that that, that I've, I've not liked her, but there's definitely even the way she holds herself, the way she holds her body is very like my niece. But right. the other stuff, and I'm not really sure. Uh-huh. Um, I think my nieces are maybe I'm maybe a bit more savvy than from what this uh-huh. girl is, you know. And, but then I don't know because I'm not with them twenty four seven, so I don't know what they're like, you know, yeah, yeah. all the time, you know. I'd like to hope they would put themselves in some of the situations this young girl puts herself in. But the way the, the, the film presents those situations, it, it's a completely understandable situation as to how she gets into those situations. It's not through any real fault of her own. There's a, yeah. na- there's a naivety to her, but that's because in many ways she is still a child. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still that child mentality, you know, in an adult, in a growing adult's body, you know. So there is moments in the film because of that you're you genuinely fearful for her. And, it's, yeah. and you do get, it's, it's concerning to watch. Um, yeah, yeah, it does. Like, like I'm, I've always been very like thankful that like my sister, who was bringing up my nieces, is like she's always kind of kept them, for the most part, far away from technology as humanly possible. Like she's always tried to give them like the good balance of actually having like a childhood, you yeah. know, going out and playing and all the rest of it. Yeah. Um, but they've recently just got their first mobile phones, and right. I'm like, oh. Yeah. I mean, like I said, the social media aspect in the film is very much there because it's obviously it's a massive part of a young person growing up now. But yes. it does try and tackle other things that are, I think, universal to growing up, no matter what era you grow up in, which, oh, I, which okay, I thought was cool. really good as well. Um, it's got that kind of feeling of like a John Hughes movie meets like Booksmart or mid nineties, sort of that kind of yeah. that kind of feel to it. It's a really yeah. sweet, it's a really well done film. It's got a lot of heart. The young girl in it is amazing; like she's so good in it. Apparently, mm-hmm. she f- I read she filmed it in her like summertime between. Um, oh, see, uh, like years. Aye, between between like she was going from like high school, like from like mid mid middle school to high school. She filmed it during that time, like that summer, and then she That's went. Brilliant. Then she went for a play in high school, and she got like she she failed the audition for the play in high school, but at the same mm-hmm. time, she's got a movie at Sundance winning awards. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just think oh, I always think it's really funny. You know, it's like you know, um, you know, she's winning all this stuff and they're not, they're not seen that. Um, but yeah, so it's a really well done film. If you get a chance to watch it, it's on Sky Movies right now, um, and it's it's definitely worth worth seeking out. So it's again an hour and a half watch. It's not a long watch. Um, very much a kind of feels like a, it feels like a, a well done indie film. It's, you know, it's well shot, well produced, well well handled. But it definitely feels like they made in a budget, so it does feel kind of quite raw and quite, you know, quite real. That's the thing. I did like read the synopsis, and I'm actually a wee bit gutted that I never made more of an effort to watch it, or at least ash it earlier on in the week. What yeah. was happening for this week? And I actually watched this because I, I know I'm going to watch it in the next coming days. Yeah, that's the frustrating thing. Yeah, really good film. Well, if anything, this this podcast this week is convincing you to go and watch things. As it mostly as any time we are together. <laughs> yeah, possibly, yeah. Um, but I'd give that film 8 out of 10. I really enjoyed it. And I'm really annoyed I didn't, I didn't see it at the cinema because of Avengers. Obviously, I was away in America and Canada over that time as well. But um, yeah. it didn't really get much of a show here and didn't get much publicity because of the fact it was out the same week as Avengers Endgame, which is uh, unfortunate for it. But it's well worth seeing and well worth looking out if you get, if you get a chance to. 
Um, and final film of this week is one that I literally just saw about two hours ago, and it's called The Personal Life of David Copperfield. Okay. Uh, uh, directed by Armando Annucci, who directed The Death of Stalin, um, the, the thick of the episodes he wrote. He also directed the, In the Loop, and he also created the, or co-created the Alan Partridge character as well. He's the one that was involved with that. So a guy who knows comedy, a guy who knows sort of satire. This is a bit of a departure because it's, it's essentially the story of the the book David Copperfield, which is basically it's a sort of semi biographical story about Charles Dickens growing up. Um, if you ever read it, so it's not. I think it's it's fantasyful and then sort of extrapolated to a great degree, but the bones of his life growing up are there, and that this is this is this is. These are the stories in the life that made Charles Dickens the Charles Dickens that we know, and the Charles Dickens who wrote all the stories that we all have read and we un- and we all know from from movies and everything. So it's sort of just it's it's his life as told by himself. Does that make sense? Right, nice. Um, so in the film you get Dave uh, Dave Patel. Dev Patel uh, is playing uh, David Copperfield. So he's obviously from Slumdog Millionaire and Skins and things like that he was in. And you've got mm-hmm. a really good, solid British cast with guys like Hugh Laurie, uh, Paul Whitehouse, Peter Capaldi, um, Tilda Swinton turns up as well, Gwendolyn Christie turns up. Pretty much anyone you can know from British comedy or, you know, by British comedy for the last, like, 20 or 30 years kind of pops up in this at some point. Alright, nice. Um, so you'll, you'll spend a lot of time going, oh, I know them, oh, I know them, So which is good. Um, it is pretty mad cap at times it, it moves at a decent pace um, mm-hmm. and it's at times it's a little bit jumping all over the place the thing that keeps it on the rails is Dev Patel playing Dickens he or David Copperfield he keeps it really on the rails he keeps a kind of real grounded and a real heart to it and he and his central role is something you're always sort of aware of and pulling for and, and understanding so everything that even though all the chaos is going on around him he's a sort of this, this calming influence at the centre of that that you feel attached to, and you feel, and because of that, you don't really let the, the craziness overawe you. You know, you're able to sort of find the moment that's there. If that makes sense. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It does. Right. Um, what I really liked about it as well, it's it, they've done what something called, which I've been pushing for in a lot of films, called colorblind casting. So they cast the film based on who's good for the role, not based on what the color of their skin is, which I think is really, oh. which. Oh, okay. So. In the film, you get a lot of people of colour in the film. Dev Patel is a guy of colour as well, which obviously, when you think of someone who would play, you normally think of Charles Dickens, you're thinking of a white guy. Yes. You know, but there's nothing to say someone of colour can't play Charles Dickens or play David Caulfield because they yeah. play the role perfectly. And in this film as well, there's a lot of characters throughout the film who I imagine traditionally would have been cast as white, but in this film they're not. And again, and what's great about it is it doesn't change the story at all mm-hmm. you know it's exactly because it's still just the same story it's just like it's just like with different people that's like people just need to get over this whole entire thing and just let actors and actresses play whoever as uh-huh. long as they're perfect for the role yeah. it doesn't even matter no I absolutely agree I, I understand if you've got maybe perhaps someone if you're playing like a role like say a historical figure like let's say Churchill right Maybe you don't have a guy who's a woman or a guy who's of African descent playing Churchill. But for David Copperfield, who is a made-up character, then he's a 
there's no reason why someone of colour cannot play David Copperfield. You know? Yeah, um, absolutely. And like I said, after, and not even after, when you watch it, you realise that I don't, it doesn't matter that, that the, the character's black or Asian or whatever, or Chinese, or it doesn't matter. They're just playing that role and they fit that role perfectly. And I think that was even, that was a good thing about it was it didn't matter who was playing the role. And I think that's, it's, it's really well done casting in that respect. And I think it's something that I'd like to see more films do and more studios push for. This idea of, cat, like you said, cast the right person for the role, not because they happen to be white and blonde, you know. As a departure for Anucci, because if you've seen any of his other films, his other films are very biting satire. They're also usually very sweary. You know, some there are some magnificent uses of foul language in his movies that will stick with you for a long time. This film, it's not, it's a PG film. It's very quaint and would be the best way to describe it. It's very family friendly. It's, it's definitely not going for that that audience. So I think if you're going to expecting an Armando Anucci film to a great degree, you might be disappointed. Oh, okay. So, okay. Well, that's not a bad thing. No. You know? He's just, you know, he's just kind of writing a different style of comedy. So, he stretches you know. his, his wings, doing something different. Also, if your source material is Charles Dickens, Charles Dickens is not a bad writer. You know, he's, he's, he's pretty decent. You, you, yeah, don't, yeah. you don't need to change it that much to make it better, or even you don't need to change anything. You maybe have to work with the structure. You can maybe move some things around, but ultimately, Charles Dickens' prose and his dialogue is is the probably the best there ever was. You know, so you don't really need to fuck around with it that much. So you don't need to throw an f bomb in there to make it funnier. His his style of writing is inherently very funny. You know, so um, cast as you imagine, like all the people I mentioned and all the people like all the people from British comedy, they're all excellent. They all play the roles really well. They all seem to have a lot of fun doing it as well. They're all very theatrical in their performances. It does get a little bit muddled, a little bit crazy at times, and for the most part, you're with it. For the most part, the Patel character keeps you with it. But there's a few times I did find my attention slightly wavering from it. You know, I was kind of wondering where it was going. I also felt it is touching two hours. I did feel the last 15 minutes did kind of drag a bit. It could have maybe tightened up in a few places around about it. Which yeah, really, yeah, if, just yeah. under two hours. If you clocked in, maybe it's a hundred minutes maybe or even ninety five minutes. I think you maybe have a tighter, stronger film. It did sort okay, of cool. but other than that I thought it was a lot of fun. I I laughed a lot at it. I giggled a lot at it. It wasn't really sort of one of those ones where you have like full blown out and like go fall after, but I was sniggering and giggling kinda of all the way through it. And there's and all the performances are excellent. Hugh Laurie in particular I thought was great in the, the role he plays. So you know it's 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 fun, it's enjoyable, it's a really sweet film and it's one that you can take your mum, dad, the kids and the granny to go and see and I think everyone will enjoy it in some way Nice, yes. nice. Aye, It sounds good, I, I watched the trailer and it did actually get me, me chuckle even on the trailer yeah. oh, I did find myself thinking I should have maybe have went to the cinema this week <laughs> Happily what I've said, uh, what I've noticed though it's not been pulled very much, it, it's still out this week it's still got a good number of showings this week so it, it came out last Friday but going forward from next Friday of you know, in a couple of days' time, it's still got quite a few showings into next week, so you probably might get a chance to see it if you're looking for it. Alright, next one. Next one. Um, but that's us for this week. So next week we'll get quite a lot of stuff out. Um, we've got the rhythm section, which looks an interesting film about a woman who's trying to cope with 
life after the death of a family in a an aircraft crash. Mm-hmm. So yeah. quite prevalent right now after the whole stuff with um Kobe oh, Bryant. Yes, you know, with his family it. passing away and other family on the plane who passed away as well. So it's maybe might hit quite hard to home right now. Um, you've got Queen and Slim out, which is about a young African-American couple out on a date one night. Um, it's a first date, and when they're driving home, they get pulled over by a cop, and somehow the cop gets shot um, by one of them. And then they have to go on the run because they're basically no one will believe them that they've done it. It was an accident, you know, because um, they become a sort of kind of Bonnie and Clyde-esque figures throughout the throughout the states so apparently it's got really good reviews apparently it's very very good um, also it was a beautiful day in the neighbourhood the one about um, Mr Rogers Mr Rogers TV show um, yes Tom Hanks Mr Rogers and he's getting he's get interviewed by a reporter and they're trying to sort of kind of get to the bottom of who Mr Rogers is um, that's out this week if you want to know what we thought of that it's on episode 129 of 3 Beers a Movie me and Colin both went and saw it in the advanced preview and we both very much enjoyed it so it's yeah. definitely a recommendation for that one Um also, we've got Richard Jewell, which is a story about the guy who was accused of doing the Atlanta bombing during the Atlanta Olympics back in 1996. Um, but ultimately, he, I think he either stopped it or prevented it in some way. And But, but the FBI tried to set him up as sort of a patsy as the cause of the, the bombings. Um, and it's sort of him trying to defend himself from those allegations. But again, directed by Clint Eastwood, apparently very, very good and well worth a watch. Um, and also next week, the film that's got a lot of people talking in sort of critical circles is a film called The Lighthouse, which is um, Robert Pattinson and William Defoe, Willem Defoe, sorry, um, in a lighthouse, two lighthouse keepers back in the 18th century and basically driving each other up the wall um, and, and causing each other to be wanting to kill each other, essentially. Um, it's getting great reviews. It's from the guy who done The Witch a few years ago, which I absolutely loved. So I'm actually quite intrigued to see what it is. And it's, it's got a relatively like sort of narrow release it's not got, it's not got huge release you know numbers but it's, it's definitely out next week and if you get a chance to see it it's definitely for all accounts well worth watching so okay, cool. lots of stuff out next week to go and see um, but for this week Ivan Richard you've been Daddy. and you've been listening to Three Beers in a Movie